This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs, broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Sam Knight and I are uh, preparing for the premiere of our new morning show, Means Morning News, on Means TV, which is set to premiere next Thursday. We're doing some rehearsals and uh, getting some equipment set up in the studio. So no regular newscast today, but we do have some brand new content for you in the form of a chip chat. Journalist Chip Gibbons joins us to talk about how the Democratic establishment, the intelligence community, and even the Trump administration is trying to use Russiagate to attack Bernie Sanders. Chip is the policy director at Defending Rights and Dissent, although the views he expresses on our show during Chip Chat are his own. Enjoy. So, Chip, the day before the Nevada caucus this weekend, we got a news story that the Russians were trying to help Bernie Sanders in the 2020 election. Uh, U.S. spies even reportedly briefed the Sanders campaign about this a month ago. What's your read on what is actually going on here? Sure. So there's multiple levels here. The first one is the briefing itself, and that's a little bit more difficult to decipher. It was a classified briefing from the FBI to the Sanders campaign that the Russians were somehow interfering in the Democratic primary with the goal of aiding his campaign. The briefing was classified, so of course Senator Sanders could not mention it to anyone. And then where things get a little bit murkier is, as you mentioned, the day before the Nevada caucus, someone at the Washington Post somehow gets wind of this story. Is it an FBI person leaking it? It's probably not someone from the Sanders campaign. Uh, Is it someone in the Trump administration? Is it someone in Congress who was also briefed on it? I don't know. But somebody gave this information to the Washington Post. And I think Sanders was very correct to point out, A, the stories in the Washington Post, which has been extremely hostile to him, and B, that it seems very clearly, was clearly timed to come out the day before the Nevada caucus to hurt him. And then where things get really murky is the question of why are the Russians supposedly helping him? I mean, the main explanation that I think some people have pushed back with is the idea that they're just sort of sowing discord in general, promoting chaos, whatever. But a number of other commentators have gone with this in predictable sort of ways. You know, some people are saying that they really want Trump to win, so they're pushing Sanders' campaign um, because they know Sanders will lose to Trump. So this is a way <laughs> to think both... that. No, yes, but saying that, you know, the Russians have picked Sanders because they want someone to lose to Trump and they want Trump to win, that clearly is designed to hurt him in the primary. Whether or not you think Sanders is going to lose to Trump or not, and I know you two do not, and I'm sort of with you, um, is, is different than, you know, having people come on the news and tell you this evil empire, hostile foreign adversary is promoting Trump, uh, promoting Sanders in order to make Trump win. Uh, other people have taken this a step farther, and it's worth pointing out that neither these claims are, are 
were in the briefing, and they are actually saying that the Russians want Sanders to win. And this is where things get really sort of bonkers. You had a Trump national security advisor on Face the Nation saying that uh, clearly the Russians want Sanders to win because he's going to increase social spending, and that will mean cutting defense spending. Um and therefore, this idea that if you want to cut defense spending or if you want you know, people to have health care, you're somehow unpatriotic and inherently helping the Russians. And this is where I think people should be a little bit more sober. I don't think this is quite caught on yet, but I also don't think this is unexpected. I mean, we've seen these types of accusations before. We saw people go after Corbyn with, you know, he was bolstering the Russians. He was a secret Czech spy. He was a secret East German spy, you know, every kind of spy you could imagine. We saw people attacking Mélenchon in France as being sort of a puppet of the Russians. And then when Syriza came to power, you know, before anyone was talking about Donald Trump, you saw in both, I believe, the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, these claims that Syriza were very close to to Russia and therefore they were going to hurt NATO and people were afraid about them getting NATO briefings and things like that. So there's a real clear trajectory as to how these Russian things were going to always turn out. And if you will indulge me, indulge me for a, a, a couple of moments, you know, back in January 2017, less than a week into the Trump administration, I, I wrote a piece for Jacobin about why I thought the Russia stuff was bad for the left, not not good for the left, the sort of Russia panic, Russia gate, whatever you want to call it. And I'm not going to like, you know, make an audio book out of out of my article and and, you know, read the whole thing to you. But I, I would like to read for your listeners my my conclusion. Go for because it. Because I think it was fairly prescient. No objection. Trump's election has helped normalize white supremacy. He has nominated noted bigots like Jeff Sessions to his cabinet after campaigning on policies like mass deportation, a Muslim registry Registry and restoring law and order. He has aligned himself with forces that wish to restrict women's access to health care and are deeply hostile to LGBTQ rights. Populist flourishes notwithstanding, his program will accelerate the upward redistribution of wealth. None of these policies or prejudices are foreign ideas. Racist and right-wing movements have a long history in the U.S. Clinging to the view that it is Trump's alleged Russian backing that makes him beyond the pale fails to counter his noxious noxious agenda this is not this is to say nothing of course about the ways that accusations of putin sympathies are used to impugn left criticism of the neoliberal order or u.s militarism or the intelligence community rt's partiality towards an occupy wall street documentary doesn't negate people's real grievances there are legitimate reasons to question nato's role in the world and oppose the increasingly confrontational and bellicose attitude towards russia the the CIA is not a force for democracy, has a history of lying, and has given very little public evidence to support the claim that Russia hacked the elections. Yet when anyone points out these facts or calls for the CIA to present more evidence, they run the risk of being tarred as pro-Putin. Thus, we have a conspiracy where little evidence is given, but merely asking for more evidence makes one party to the conspiracy in question. Left-leaning people who choose to participate in this game do so at their own peril. While charging
charges of Russian interference are still largely being used to exacerbate Trump, the left is quickly becoming a target. If we decide to play into it, we'll not only fail to score any meaningful victories against Trump and the GOP's reactionary agenda, we'll fashion the very tools by which we'll ultimately be repressed with. And here we are, three years Sounds later. Sounds like you're reading the whole article, Chip. <laughs> I know. I, I, that was just the conclusion. That was just the conclusion. Here we are, three years later, and, you know, in spite of this, like, axis of banality of David Fromm and Rachel Maddow, you know, the Russia-inspired resistance where we don't talk about Trump's putting children in concentration camps, we don't talk about, you know, how he's escalating drone strikes, but instead go on with this fantasy that he's somehow insufficiently enthusiastic about the U.S. empire, which is the worst thing a human being can be, and we keep trying to, you know, undermine Trump by attacking him from the right with this national security hawk rhetoric, where we, you know, resurrect and redeem all of these horrible Bush-era people and also horrible Obama-era people, or you have Rachel Maddow when Trump isn't being aggressive enough towards Venezuela coming on television saying, oh, you have to feel really bad for John Bolton. You know, his job is to saber rattle at Venezuela and he's being undermined by his boss because his boss likes Putin more than him. Like, you know, yeah. Chip. You know, oh no, we're not being aggressive enough to Venezuela. Putin is winning. And and so we we've sort of lost the thread. I think the national security stuff completely undermined what was very serious arguments about the threat to democracy that we could have had during the impeachment hearings, which is to say nothing about the emoluments clause, which should have been the basis of impeachment. Yeah. And now we have, you know, Sanders being attacked by this. And we've seen other figures attacked with this as well. I mean, whether you love them or hate them, I mean, Jill Stein was attacked using this sort of rhetoric. Tulsi Gabbard was completely smeared, even though she was a, a, a veteran who has a security clearance for the Armed Service Committee. There are people who now believe she's a literal Russian agent. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much that's actually hurt Gabbard's credibility or, or um, image, even with other members of Congress, people are very afraid of, of the Russia tarring thing in a way that I don't think is widely known. It, they it, just absolutely destroyed people. If we could this. if we could jump in here, Chip. And uh, to, uh, no, to, you can't. Well, you can't. <laughs> Chip chat, not Sam chat. <laughs> well, to build on uh, something you were saying before, one of the White House national security advisors uh, who jumped on this story uh, is a guy named Robert O'Brien. And he was asked about, uh, you know, what was it on Face the Nation? Was he on CBS? Anyway, he said uh, about the the Sander, the alleged Sanders Russia link. "Quote: That's no surprise. He honeymooned in Moscow." So and Trump has said that as well, right? And so the, the the Trump administration is now just fully embracing the the Russia conspiracy stuff after spending years whining about it, like you predicted would happen three years ago Surprise! but but I wanted Surprise! to ask you I wanted to ask you something about the context of this uh, with regards to something that's been in the news the past few days uh, we saw the old director of national intelligence the old acting director of national intelligence Joseph McGuire uh, leave he was gonna leave anyway soon because he was only there on an acting or temporary basis but he was replaced with a highly partisan, uh, a highly, you know, like 
one of Trump's golden retrievers, just an absolute fucking idiot, a guy named Richard Grinnell. He's currently the U.S. ambassador to Germany, uh, so he already has a job in the government, but he's he's being made acting DNI, and there has been some talk about like this appointment versus the uh, timing of the leak to the Washington Post. It's very suspect, and I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. So I had not considered that perspective. I know I believe they believe he was forced out because he was going along with the Russians are interfering for Trump and had let Congress be briefed on that. You're talking about McGuire, right? Yes. McGuire, yes. I, I, I know that. I had not considered the timing with the Sanders leak. I mean, like I said, it's not clear where it's coming from. It seems highly possible to me that it came from someone in the Trump administration. You know, Capitol Hill also got the same briefing, so it wouldn't be surprising to me if someone in Congress, either Democrat or Republican, leaked it. Klobuchar. Or even someone in the FBI. Even someone in the FBI could have leaked it, right? None of these people are Senator Sanders' friends. Like, the Trump administration obviously doesn't like them. They actually probably really fear him because he's the only candidate they could run against who has an actual movement behind him, which, you know, should scare them and probably does. They're not as stupid as the MSNBC crowd. Um the Democrats don't like him because they don't want him to have any control of the party because they want the party to be in the hands of the party elite and party bosses who are subservient to the military industrial complex in Wall Street. They don't want the Democratic base, the sort of multiracial working class base, to have actual political power in this country, certainly not in their party. And the FBI, you know, not a big fan of socialism historically, right? Um, or anyone in the intelligence community. I mean, most of these agencies exist to like overthrow socialist governments or repress socialist movements at home. I mean, that's why they were set up, if we're being blunt. Um, so it, it, it seems like, and that's not to say I think there's like a actual deep state conspiracy against Sanders where like the director of the FBI and the director of the CIA got together and are like, use the Allende option, but like <laughs> an FBI agent acting on his own, out of his own partisan bias or ideological bias, I don't think would be punished in this situation. I think it's completely plausible to see them doing that. And I think we're going to see more and more of these tars on Sanders. I mean, there was this absolutely obnoxious article in NBC News over the weekend called Will Bernie Sanders' Long Praise of Socialist Regimes, the Regimes, Hurt Democrats in November. And they go on and on about his support for the Sandinistas. And they just keep, you know, describing the Sandinistas not as like a Nicaraguan-based revolutionary movement that was the products of a particular situation in Nicaragua, mainly the long-term U.S.-backed Somoza dictatorship being absolutely corrupt, and the Sandinistas actually taking steps in the 80s to improve people's lives, but just keeps having them as the Soviet puppets, right? It's like Nicaragua can't exist outside either the Soviets or the um, Americans. And I just keep describing his, you know, the Soviet-backed government. You know, it's just again and again, I don't think sometimes even say Sandinista, just say Soviet-backed government. Uh, Sanders' stance is about Soviet-backed U.S. adversaries. And then they have him criticizing the Vietnam War, criticizing the Contra War, uh, mentioning Cuba has free housing and free education. And the Cuba comments that the NBC people are losing their minds over I mean, it's just remarkable to me that we 
have this country, Saudi Arabia, that beheads people, crucifies people, oppresses women and, and religious minorities, is bombing Yemen in a, in a war that, you know, some people have described as genocide. And I don't think that's an outrageous descriptor. And you can say whatever positive thing in the world you want about Saudi Arabia, which is, you know, fine. You can send them, you know, millions of dollars of military aid. But if you're Bernie Sanders and 30 years ago you said Cuba is a dictatorship, it's not a democracy, they don't have political freedom there, they have political prisoners, but, but, you know, they've made some good achievements in health care. That comment is out of the pale. You're, a, you're an unimaginable dictator appeaser. I mean, one of the things the NBC article has is that Trump sort of, you know, historically unique support for dictators because, you know, no U.S. president has ever backed dictators before is a big opening for the Democrats to attack unless it's Sanders because Sanders has this horrible history of dictator support. So we're losing this avenue. And it's like, it's like, you know, his comments about Cuba, I mean, like I said, said they were a dictatorship, said they were political prisoners, but comes back with, but they have, you know, good health care, which is objectively true. I mean, for a country in the global south that's extremely impoverished and has also been subjected to U.S. economic warfare, to, to, to including a blockade, I mean, the health care outcomes are almost miraculous, and they do demonstrate what happens when you organize health care around the idea of, you know, making people healthy as opposed to making people rich. Um, so it seems like a very innocuous comment to me, but it's it's beyond the pale of, of U.S. discourse. It's, you know, and it's, borderline treasonous. And but it you will can say whatever you want about the Saudis, whatever you want, whatever, as long as it's nice. Yeah. And I mean, the, the way that Sanders will be, his, his comments about Castro and stuff will be used it will be used in furtherance of this Russia thing as though Russia is still uh, the Soviet Union and trying to uh, push Bernie Sanders-style communism here in the U.S. Yes. But, I mean, it's it's clear that, and we've, we've touched on all this before, that, I mean, my main problem with Russiagate wasn't that, I, I wasn't saying that there's not a story. <coughs> I, I, you know, the fact that Russians might be, Russian in, intel services might be buying Facebook ads and social media Sure, that's a story, but it needs to be presented in the context of just how influential it is, how this dates back, how the U.S. is engaged in similar activities in Russia, and how all countries are engaged in these activities. All of this context was obviously missing in most of the Russiagate reporting, because at the end of the day, as you've touched on, Russiagate was merely a tool used to delegitimize politicians that yes. aren't liked. So the Democrats used it as a tool against Trump, and we're seeing it already play out where the Trump administration will use this as a tool to delegitimize uh, Sanders. My and you saw it used against Stein and Gabbard, yeah. which I think was a dry run for, for Sanders. I yeah, really do. Definitely. Um, although Gabbard does a lot to herself, but we'll, we'll save that too for another day. I know that you have more positive feelings toward her than I do. Anyways. I, mean, I think there's plenty of things wrong with her, but I do think, you know, as someone who goes up on Capitol Hill occasionally and has meetings and stuff, I think that the Russia stuff has hurt her yeah. more than any of her self-inflicted It's wounds. definitely a bullshit I mean, attack, yeah. 
I'm actually really surprised because the self-inflicted wound she's given herself seems so much worse than the Russia nonsense. (laughs) But the Russia stuff is actually what's done her in. And that's just... It's yeah, it's it's, it's catnip it's for liberals. That's what they're really you know, interested in. Like if I, I just I cannot I, I I cannot believe believe it. Um, yeah, and it just but but it's getting troubling. One, one of the one of the things that's so maddening to me is about this story. There's no evidence provided, no examples of what the Russians are actually doing to help Bernie Sanders. Mm. We don't know. If when the buff Bernie, color. buff Bernie, well, yeah, yeah. That, that was from buff 2016. Bernie. But we buff don't Bernie. know, like we don't know. Sanders' campaign didn't give any examples. We don't know if when he was briefed on this a month ago. If now they're he trying was even, Garfield sucking off Bernie, the sick bastards. We don't know if he was even given examples of how this is going on. But like that just speaks to how powerful RussiaGate is. That we can get the claim lobbed out that. Sanders is being helped by the Russians and no one asks, well, how, in what ways? We just accept that that's true. But we already know that the intelligence community has has designated what comes across RT airwaves as Russian government influence. We saw it in their 2016 report that they cited uh, tons of RT programming. Um, Abby Martin show shows that I worked on at the time as evidence. Yeah, in in their annex or whatever, yeah. Or the so, annex, which was a report about the 2012 election. Right. So, but it, it was included in the other thing, and it very much was like, RT has programs about fracking. Yeah, RT, uh, my favorite one, programs about alleged Wall Street greed. Uh, yeah. Or, or RT ran a story on Occupy Wall Street. Therefore, they yes. were uh, supporting the uh, destabilization of the U.S. government. But, I mean, it stands to reason then, based on the intelligence community's prior reports, that all that needs to happen is RT, uh, maybe Lee Camp or Anders Lee at Redacted Tonight, who put out good, who do a good show and put out good content. All they need to do is run one favorable segment about Bernie Sanders, and I'm sure they have already. I was on as a guest with Anders <laughs> talking about how Bernie is good so maybe maybe that's like, in the report. That's, that's, that's all, all it takes for the intel community and then all the US media outlets to point to and say well the Russians are helping Sanders. No, I'm I'm sure the evidence of Russian interference is either, you know, one of the more left-leaning radio hosts on Sputnik said something <laughs> nice about Sanders or the sort of RT Sputnik adjacent types have said the DNC is trying to rig the election or whatever, because that comes up in the Washington Post article. Uh, One of the experts they have is like, oh, they're not trying to promote Sanders necessarily. They just want to undermine people's faith in U.S. institutions. So saying the DNC prefers one candidate against others is a narrative they will like. And of course, the DNC does prefer some candidates against others. So now if you point out the fact that Sanders, you know, they're trying to rig the election against him. If you point that out now, you're you're aiding the Russians. So it totally allows them to delegitimize, you know, factual information. Don't tell the truth. You'll help the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts on this, Chip? No, no, I can't even. It's just. It's just going to get way worse when the general starts. It's going to get worse. Yes, it's just. It's going to be worse, and I, 
the, I, the real thing that, that that scares me, sorry, Chip, the real thing that scares me is that we have the Trump administration, which has survived impeachment, um, trying to, and I know a lot of people rightfully criticize the Democrats for the issue they chose to impeach Trump on <laughs> and how they focus so much on bringing Russiagate stuff into this latest story. But at the end of the day, the Trump administration was trying to seek foreign help to steal rig whatever yeah. you want to say yeah. this election and it's clear Joe that they yeah it's clear that they've survived impeachment that they're going to continue doing this and it's not going to be joe biden it's going to be deployed against bernie sanders yeah i think the final thought i will end on is that you know you keep hearing people these extreme center types saying sanders hasn't been vetted sanders hasn't been vetted and you know people who are pro sanders are rightfully like what are you talking about I mean, all this information is out there. He's been very vetted. But I think when people on the extreme center say Sanders hasn't been vetted yet, what they mean is that Sanders has not been subjected to a full-scale Jeremy Corbyn-style demonization propaganda campaign. And I think we should be not kid ourselves about what's coming down the line. Right, right. It doesn't need to be true. Bernie doesn't actually need to have skeletons in his closet that come out through vetting. They're just going to make it up a ton of shit and throw it at the and, wall and, and see what sticks. And just like with Corbyn, it'll be the good kind of foreign interference when the Israeli government is smearing the entire left as anti-Semitic. I don't. Well, I, yeah. I. I don't think it'll. I'm sorry to bring this up at the last minute. I just. I don't no, think no, it'll work I, I the same say way. I something about that. Actually, the Prime Minister of Israel verified Twitter account tweeted out, "We have been working to promote anti-BDS laws in the United States." A direct admission that they are promoting legislation that every court who has heard a challenge to, except for one court in Arkansas, has found to be unconstitutional. And no national scandal, no national scandal about this horrible foreign interference where they are taking away our First Amendment rights. Well, it doesn't count if it's Israel. Or Saudi Arabia. <laughs> That's right. Or, or Saudi Arabia. Chip Gibbons, journalist. Uh, his work has appeared in Jacobin Magazine, The Nation, In These Times, and The Washington Post. He is the policy director at Defending Rights and Dissent, and you can follow Chip on Twitter at ChipGibbons89. And his views are his yes. own on this program. Yes. yes. He yes. is speaking yes. for Chip Gibbons and Chip Gibbons alone. He did not Local sign prank. off on my Garfield deviant art joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> this, All right. This concludes uh, another edition of Chip Chat. Thank you so much, Chip. Thank you. Thanks, Chip. Thanks again to Chip. We are back tomorrow with the newscast and a bunch of haiku for our new subscribers over at Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be. <laughs>